Um, our scripture reading this morning are from some different, a sampling of Proverbs and um, a few Psalms. So as I read each uh, verse, I will indicate what um, verse that is that I'm reading. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Proverbs 18, 14. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. Proverbs 14.10 Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. Proverbs 14.13 How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Psalm 13, 1 and 2. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Proverbs 18, 1. The purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Proverbs 25. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Proverbs 25.20. 20. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 16.24. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 12.25. These are the words of God. They are given to us in love, and they are absolutely true. morning. I was wondering how many of y'all were going to stay after hearing those verses. I don't know. Last time I preached, I think I said it was going to be like a rock march, heavy at the beginning, heavy in the middle, and heavy at the end. And here we go again. I don't know how I get the draw of topics, but today we're talking about wounds. I did read that passage out loud to Julie, and I said, oh boy. When you hear it out loud, it sounds different than when you're studying and prepping for the sermon. But, uh, I'm ready to go on this adventure with you if you're ready to go on it with me. I want to start by uh, telling you a story. Uh, this was a news story uh, that I had uh, that had a big effect on me a couple years ago. Or maybe it was a year ago. I don't remember when it was. But um, I draw upon this, this news story a lot when I talk to folks. And it was a story of a little boy. He was maybe 12 or 13. And this little guy was being featured on like one of those Sunday morning news stories. And he had recently, he had been adopted about a year um, prior to the incident that they were talking about in the story, and he had spent his whole life in foster care. So finally, around the age of 11, uh, he was adopted into a family, and, um, and the family had a dog, and the dog was sick, and they had to put the dog down. It's going to be a long, it's going to be a long morning, y'all get ready. <laughs> so, uh, so this boy insisted that he be present uh, with the dog. And you, you saw pictures, there wasn't video, but pictures of this little boy holding a dog, like weeping. 
And um, when he was interviewed about, about the, the incident, the newscaster asked him, he said, why would you do this? Like, why, why would you want to experience this with the dog? And the little boy said, I, I know what it's like to be alone, and I know what it's like to be unwanted, and I, I didn't want him in that, in that moment to feel like he was alone. And when, when people ask me what empathy is, I, I don't know how to define it. I really don't. But I typically tell that story because it's the ability for somebody who had experienced deep and profound wounds, who had, who had dealt with them, processed through them, and then is able to see into the wounds and hurts of others and be a part of, in some way, shape, or form, the healing process of that individual. And essentially, that's what we're talking about today. And we're talking about the wounds that we deal with and how we experience them, the wounds that um, others deal with and how we walk alongside them as they're wounded, and, and, and the way that we process this, because I think the story of that little boy is so profound because I think it's, a, it's an incredible illustration of Christ, our wounded healer that Michael was talking about before. Somebody who doesn't just sit off to the side, who isn't this distant God or Lord, he is somebody who has experienced the wounds that we experience and and in some ways much more profoundly than we ever will. And he comes alongside of us out of that state of woundedness to be with us and help us walk through that. So I will tell you, this is one of the um, most difficult um, sermons that I've ever had to prepare for. Because it's typically that you take a chunk of the scriptures and you just follow the theme of the story and you tell the story from that. But there isn't one example of how this, is, this works in scripture. There, there are multiple verses. And throughout my experience um, of working closely over the years, both in the military as a chaplain, but also in my civilian career, um, for whatever reason, I've had opportunities to just work with people that have experienced these wounds. And I myself, like you, have experienced my own set of wounds. And so my goal this morning is to take what we we have in Scripture about this topic, and you see that's why we have these chunks of verses for you, apply what we can from what we learn in those verses, but also looking at the model of Christ, his life, his sacrifice, how he interacts with us today, and and, and do our best to make sense of woundedness, both in ourselves and in others. And I do believe, I want to start from the beginning with, with really underscoring that Jesus is the ultimate, sac- uh, the ultimate model for this. While these Proverbs, um, they do teach us, there's, there's some wisdom here. It's looking at that model, I think, where we really find the best insight for how to implement this in our own lives. Um, and it wasn't just his, his crucifixion, which is, is an incredible model of woundedness in order for others to be healed, um, but it's also the way in which he, he just came to earth and took on our limitations, the way that he um, engaged with us to experience what we experience um, so that he could be an empathetic Lord to us. Um, so looking at his life in general, looking at his sacrifice, looking at these Proverbs, and talking through just some experiences of one person who, who, who has lived through this a little bit and tried to make sense of it and apply it, hopefully we'll come out of this with, with some good things this morning. Um, I'm going to give you a final disclaimer. Personally, 
Africa. Personally, I'm on a journey of healing. It's been four years since I returned from my deployment. And trauma sneaks up on you. And so prepping for this topic has resurfaced some things. And um, so with trauma, things go sideways very quickly. Um, And so it's out of vulnerability that I preach today and do my, my very best to teach the principle and the concept and not make this about myself or the, the things that I experienced. But I just want to be upfront from the beginning. That I, this will be hard. All right. But I'm ready. Um, and I hope you'll give me grace as we work through this together. Okay. So there's three main points that I, um, that I want to look at today. And that's why you see these verses are really chunked in three main areas. If, if you were paying attention to when she was reading them, um, they did get a little more hopeful towards the end. Um, the first set deals with the reality of our wounds and, um, you know, the fact that they are real and that we need to, we need to uh, make sense of them. The second chunk will talk about how we deal with them once we acknowledge and accept the reality of them. And then the third chunk will be really about how we help others who are wounded themselves. So let's get into this. Um, the First set of verses here um, are a little, <laughs> a little disparaging, aren't they? They're just, they're just, there's not much hope here. But it really paints a picture of, of what occurs in this broken world. Um, it talks about a person's spirit enduring sickness. It talks about having a crushed spirit. It talks about um, the heart knowing bitterness and ache. And the reality is that in a broken world, we're going to be wounded. They occur. They're a part of our story. And, and some of these are slight wounds, you know, and some of these wounds that we experience are deep and they have a profound impact on us. And those, 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 those wounds that cut the deepest um, are the ones that probably impact us over time, over time, without us even realizing it often. They come in the form of hurt. Uh, they come in the form of anxiety. They come in the form of physical stress. Um, they come in the form of challenges and relationships, struggles at work. Maybe it's persistent dysfunction in families, um, stress around finances, health. Any types of conflict produce wounds. Deep and persistent trauma, like losing a loved one. Battling illness, especially terminal illness. Uh, betrayals, uh, traumatic violence, abuse, um, or just never living up to the standards of somebody that you really care about and that you really, really want their approval. Um, Wounds are all around us. And, you know, I've said this before when I've preached, but when I seek wisdom, sometimes outside of the Bible, I seek country music to get my wisdom. And, man, there's a great song about a guy sitting in the back row at church, and he stands up and he yells to the preacher, 
hey man, you don't need to convince me that hell is real. And, and he, he says, I want to hear about hope. And he starts like listing out the things where the whole theme of the song is, I don't, I don't need to die to go to hell because of the things that we experience in this world. And he starts listing out all the things that wound us in this broken world. And he's right. And he's right. And these verses are so expressive. We've all felt these things. We've all, we've all felt what it feels like to have a crushed spirit or sickness or bitterness or for our hearts to ache. And, and for me personally, when I have my episodes, right, I slip into those moments of, of where the, the things that I've dealt with um, are, are really having a, an effect on me. It's anger. It's anger. It's deep anger. I'm mad at a broken world. Um, I'm, I'm mad at um, that I've had to experience the things that I've had to experience and see the things that I've had to see. I'm mad about the impact that that's had on other people. I'm mad at the Lord for allowing that to happen and not preventing it. Um, I'm mad uh, at our government. <laughs> I'm mad at everybody in those moments, uh, except for Julie. <laughs> but um, I just feel, and I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself for allowing these things to have an effect on me and not having control to be able to deal with them. And I don't think I'm alone. And it doesn't take going to a combat zone to experience this because you feel this too, I think. You're mad about things or you're feeling ache and you're feeling bitterness of whatever it is that's caused your wounds. Or maybe you're not. Or maybe you're avoiding them. It's not that big of a deal. It really didn't have that much of an effect on me. Whatever, I just need to get over it. It's not that important. Because that's the other way that we go with our wounds, is we deny that they exist, that they don't have an impact on us. But they really do. They absolutely do. And Jesus experienced this in his life as well as as he was going through his sacrifice. You know, um, if you're familiar with the New Testament and some of the stories in the New Testament, there's a moment where Jesus loses a close friend. His name is Lazarus. Lazarus dies and his sisters are, are grieving. And Jesus stops in that moment. And in the scriptures, it tells us that he wept. You don't, you don't just weep without feeling some sort of deep loss in that moment. Jesus felt the pain that we feel when we feel these wounds. You know, right before Jesus was crucified, he was betrayed by one of his closest confidants. If you've ever been a part of a betrayal, you know what that feels like and the profound effect it has on your heart. And Jesus looked eyeball to eyeball with Peter after Peter betrayed him three times. He felt the wounds that you feel. Maybe you don't feel the anger like I feel. You feel it in a different way. But whatever you feel, Jesus felt some sense of that in those moments. And those are just two examples in the New Testament. So the first thing that I would say, and by the way, I should also tell you, I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a counselor. Even though I am a military chaplain, my training is very minimal. This is a layman's advice for how to deal with these things based upon what I've seen and experienced. We have to be able to sit with the reality of what has occurred to us and not be dismissive of it. Individually, each of us have to say, yes, this has happened, and this is the effect it's had on me. And it's not weakness. Not at all. And if you don't do that, your body will. Because the effects of our wounds, our body stores that. You saw it up here. 
I can't control when that comes on. I wish I could. That's why I get angry. But your body, your body will store that trauma and will store those wounds. And you will experience it even if you try to avoid it. And it comes in the form of anxiety, stress, all sorts of things. So number one is the reality is the, those in the, who wrote the Proverbs talk about the reality of it. There's no reason to ignore it. And also Jesus himself dealt with the reality of woundedness. So once we acknowledge that they're real and that they do occur, what, is, what, is, what, what, what are we to do with them? These, these hurts, these anxieties, uh, these wounds, both on the smaller scale and the more deeper ones, how do we cope with the reality of this happening in our, in our lives? Well, the second thing I would do is I would turn you to the second chunk of passages here, of verses, and then we'll look at Jesus and how he dealt with it. And in the second set of verses, what you see are two things happening. The first is we are encouraged to go straight to the Lord with it, right? I love Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? This is, this is somebody in pain and hurt crying out to the Lord, not running away from the Lord, not getting busy and trying to distract him or herself. This is somebody who goes straight to the Lord with their pain, right? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts Day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long, O Lord? And when I'm in my moments of bitterness and heartache and hurt and anger, and when when something triggers me and I go back into one of those episodes, I come to a a passage like this in Psalm 13. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I read these words, I do not feel comfort and peace. That's not why I come here. And that's not why I bring those hurts to the Lord. But what I do feel is camaraderie. I'm not alone. I don't do this as a way to soothe myself or to feel better or to make the hurt go away. I do this as a way to say, you're in this with me, Lord. I'm not dealing with this by myself. Others have gone before me and are dealing with the same pains and they can bring them to you. And I'll be honest, when I am truly honest with the Lord in those moments of deep, deep hurt and anger, you would not want to hear the words that come out of my mouth. But man, the Lord wants those words because he wants the depth of our hurt to be brought before him and shared with him. He wants to walk through it with us. And the reason I know that he can do that is because if you look at the way Jesus dealt with probably one of the most stressful moments in his life, which was really hours before he was crucified, you see a similar pattern. Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, hours before he was to be crucified, you can see this in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. But in Luke 39 through 46, what does Jesus do? In his moment of hurt and pain, he goes straight to the Lord. He goes to God the Father, and he says, to, and he goes to his knees and he prays. Um, he withdraws from the disciples and he says, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appears and strengthens him. And then verse 44 says, In being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. Agony. This is what I mean by having an empathetic Lord. He felt what we feel 
in the deepest wounds of our hearts. And in that moment of deep agony, he went to God the Father and he modeled for us. And he was honest with them about the hurt and the need that he had. I, just, I don't know. I don't know what goes on in somebody's heart emotionally, physically what's happening when, you're, when your sweat becomes like drops of blood. But this is what I mean. Why you, you can't ignore this stuff because the physical manifestation of the pains that have occurred to us come out. Even in Jesus Christ, they happened. Why would they not happen to us? And so in that moment of hurt and pain, one thing we can do and that we should do is turn to the Lord in prayer. And I don't mean like fluffy, feel-good prayers. I mean like let him have it. Give it to him. Whatever you're experiencing and whatever you're feeling. It's not just therapeutic to get that out to the Lord, but I do believe that there's something that goes on there in the act of prayer, something mysterious, that Christ is there comforting us and walking with us in this. And the second thing that I would say in dealing with our wounds is we see this in the model of Christ himself, and we see it in the second set of verses in, the, in this chunk. It talks about not isolating ourselves and like being with somebody else because they can draw out of our hearts. What, what the, the, um, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. It's about being with others. It's not isolating ourselves. Oh man, which is the tendency to do when we're wounded because of all of those things I talked about. We're ashamed of our hurt. We're embarrassed about it. We're angry with ourselves about not being able to get over it. We're angry without, about, our, about not being able to prevent it. We're resentful. We're bitter. And the last thing we want is other people to be around. It's to invite other people into that. Why in the world would I want to burden anybody with this? I should be able to fix it. That's usually what our tendency is. But in fact, the Proverbs and Jesus Christ himself say otherwise. In this verse, this very passage where Jesus is in Gethsemane, in his moment of agony, what does he want? Before he even prays to, the Lord, to God the Father, he brings the disciples with him. And he wants them near. He wants them near. And all he asks them to do is pray. He's not asking for them to give him a motivational speech. He's not asking for a pep talk. Man, he just wants them around. He knows the importance of not isolating himself in his moment of deepest hurt. Now, he did move away from them, the, the passage says, a stone's throw so he could pray. And he's very disappointed when he comes back and his disciples are not praying because they're asleep. But I think what Jesus is saying here is, guys, I just need you. Just be close. Just, I want to reach out and feel you. Are you there? Yes, you're there. I'm not alone. So dealing with our wounds independently and isolating ourselves or, or ignoring them is always the wrong answer. Taking them to the Lord and inviting others that you trust and who love you and care about you to be a part of it with you, always the right answer. Jesus Christ himself did that, and so should we. And I could tell you story after story of how I saw this play out um, during my time overseas with soldiers both those who isolated themselves and the negative impacts of that, and then those who found ways to surround themselves with others. Even in some of the most horrific circumstances, reaching out and touching brothers. You're there. You're there. We're not alone. Let's just do this together. Whatever this is, we're in this together. Always finding support from others is the right answer.
You know, the other thing I would say, being that I'm not an expert in this area or a licensed counselor, I also knew my limitations. There are times when I knew that I was not the support that somebody needed and they needed, they needed additional help. That's what the brotherhood and the sisterhood does. It also guides the individual to get the clinical help that they need when the wounds are too deep to be able to be soothed by just camaraderie and presence of others. And so as we continue to watch the story unfold of how Jesus led his life, you know, he, he comes to earth, he sheds all of the, the privileges that he had and takes on our limitations so he can identify with us and empathize with us. He goes through this profound sacrifice, uh, intense agony on the cross for us, and now he's the healer, right? He went through all of that so that we could enjoy a full life in relationship with him so that we could enjoy an eternal life with him. And so how does that impact the way that we interact with our wounds so we can be a part of the healing process of others? And, you know, I think that our tendency is we like to be helpers. We like to be wanted. We like to be needed. So we like to jump to step three here because step three in these passages talks about just how soothing it is to have somebody else come alongside you or for you to come along somebody else who's hurting. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, like vinegar on soda. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Man, we read that and we just, we want to be that honeycomb to others. Um, we want to make somebody who's heavy feel glad. We want, to, we want to take that heaviness off them and help them feel light. And we want to just run to that third set of scriptures. Regardless of what's happening in those first two chunks, whether or not we've dealt with our own stuff, we just want to come alongside and be a helper. But what's so beautiful about the story I told about that little boy and about Christ himself is that little boy didn't run the number three. You know, he, he, he worked through some stuff. And it was that stuff that pushed him to want to be present with that little dog in their time of hurt. Jesus Christ went through some stuff that enables him to be this empathetic healer today. And so you and I need to work through some stuff before we run too quickly to be the solvers of all the world's problems or even to love the people we care about most deeply in our lives who are experiencing hurt. Because if we really want to be a part of the healing process in a very empathetic and loving and caring way and connect with people in a much more uh, profound way, then we will only be able to do that to the extent that we've worked through our own stuff and we can understand and relate to the hurts that they're experiencing. So here's what this looks like, in my opinion. When Lazarus died, Jesus felt pain and went right to the sisters to comfort them because he understood the pain that they felt, right? I have learned in my time, particularly in the military, especially in my time overseas, the power of an empathetic presence. And what I'm talking about here is I mean just sitting with people who are hurting, 
in the way that Jesus wanted his disciples to be present with him in Gethsemane. Without an agenda, without a plan to do anything or to fix anything or even to make anybody feel better. And it's weird. It feels helpless. Uh, It's actually a little scary. And it looks nothing like giving advice or counsel. Not at all. And what I've learned is, and I read this from actually a Greek Orthodox priest who talked about what it's like, what what the experience is like for him when he's with a a person from his church or when they're doing their ritual of, of confession. He said, you know, I never see it as a one-on-one conversation with the individual. I always see it as the other person and me as sort of an intermediary helping them get to Christ. And that any time I'm meeting with that person, I'm a participant in what the Holy Spirit is doing in that room at that moment. That I'm just along, I'm just an instrument, I'm just a part of the healing process that the Spirit is working in the individual. And so what I think that means is it's, it means simply being present and showing unconditional love and acceptance for the other person, which at the core is what the gospel is, right? The gospel says you are loved and accepted, so now you'll go obey, not like obey first and then you'll be loved and accepted. Jesus says you are loved and accepted just as you are. That's unconditional love and acceptance, right? If you would just come to him and give yourself to him. And so in those moments when other people are hurting, it's sitting there and offering them unconditional love and acceptance. And in my mind going, as I hear what they're saying, thinking about my own hurts so that I can understand and identify with what they're dealing with. I think Christ does that with us. He's understood betrayal. He's understood physical pain. He's understood sin. He's understood it all. And the reason I believe this is true is because I spent a year having to unlearn old habits of being a fixer and watching the Holy Spirit do this in my interactions with soldiers. And some of the most um, stressful circumstances that we've ever been in. And I'm going to share one example of a story with you. I'm going to try to share one example of a story with you. And this was probably the turning point for me in understanding the power of this. There was, um, there was a night in, um, so the way it works is I would travel to about 11 different locations while I was over there, but there was our main hub where we stayed. And wherever I would go, there would always be a, like some kind of a building or an office where I could meet with soldiers because we had 100% confidentiality. And so anything a soldier tells me, I can't tell anybody. So we had to have a secure place where we could talk. But I was sitting in my secure place in, uh, one night, and in walked three men. It was a soldier, uh, one of our pilots, and um, he was probably our most proficient and efficient pilot that we had. Whenever there was a mission that we needed the job done, he was the one. He had, um, he had executed every mission to 100% standard of what we needed. He was reliable. And we had been there for six months, so six months of fighting, night after night after night after night, and the experiences that he went through. I had a good relationship with him. Um, I had been there on a couple things with him. Um, we had watched some, some tape together of the engagements that he was in. I knew the things that he had experienced. I had seen it. I had experienced it with him. And 
he sits down on the couch in the room, and the two hits his direct commander, and then the second in command for that unit, and he says, you need to talk to him. And so I'm sitting in a chair, the two commanders are here, the soldier's here, and he starts to talk. And six months of all the stuff that's going on at home and all the trauma he had dealt with in that combat zone started to come out. And he couldn't, he couldn't talk. He's crying, um, just sort of like tears coming down. And it's, it's getting in, in the way of his speech. And I start to feel the anxiety. Because now, now I have to perform for the two commanders. And now i got to figure out how to fix this guy. And um, something in that moment just told me, stop. Just stop trying to fix this. And as the soldier tried to talk, I got up walked around my desk, and I sat next to him. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Um, and all I did was just put my arms around him. Didn't say a word. And immediately, he was much larger than me. It's just probably hard to imagine, but much larger than me. And the full weight of his body fell right into my chest. And um, he was dead weight. And he just started sobbing. The other two men in the room, I kid you not, ran out (laughs) and slammed the door. (laughs) And as we sat there, I said nothing. And I'm I'm not trying to be funny, but the sounds coming out of him, I can't describe it. It was, I'd never heard anything like it. I think when when the Bible talks about people wailing, I think that's what it was. They were just these guttural sounds from, from, deep, deep within his soul. And he just wailed and cried. And it, we, it went on for so long that I, I, I physically could not hold him. Like I just couldn't hold him up. And I remember collapsing back into the couch and he just laid on top of me um, and cried. And I did nothing except pray. Empathetic. 100% loving, unconditional support. Now, he knew me. He was a believer. But he didn't need me to say or do anything in that moment. And as we sat there, I remember playing in my head all the things that I knew this man had been through for the past six months. And that's all he needed. And somewhere in that room was the Holy Spirit doing something that I don't understand. But I don't think I would have been able to do that if I hadn't also experienced those things with him or similar things to be able to say, I get it. I wouldn't have been motivated to go in that context, in a military context, and hold another soldier in front of the commanders if I didn't sense some deep hurt that I also had in myself. It was an empathetic response. And finally, when, when he was finished, he got up. My chest was soaked with tears. That's all he wanted. We prayed together, and he left. Now, over time, we were able to talk and, and, and get a little bit deeper, but he just needed an empathetic, unconditional acceptance from somebody who also likewise felt pain and could relate with him. I think that's how we help the wounded. Because we see ourselves as Jesus did. We are not wounded healers. Jesus is the wounded healer. We are, we are wounded participants in Jesus' healing process. 
And when we don't overthink it and try to do too much, we get to participate by being present with others who are hurting. And now what it looks like when I sit with soldiers or anybody else that I'm working with that I know has experienced pain and I'm helping them work through it, I don't give direct advice. Sometimes they need that. I give it when, they're at, when they ask for it. But it usually sounds like this. Wow, that sounds really difficult. Would you like to talk more about that? Or I can't imagine what this must be like for you. Do you feel like talking more about it? It sounds like this is a very, very difficult time for you. I just want you to know that I'm here for you. And if you want to talk about it, I'm ready. Dealing with things like this is very hard. Are you comfortable telling me how you're getting through it? Empathetic, unconditional love and support. Leaving space for the Holy Spirit to do the real work. I believe that's the model Jesus gave us. And I just need to stop. Thank you.